Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Appliance 101, where we discuss everything and anything appliance related. My name is Pat Polingo, Marketing Director at Yale Appliance. And with me today is our CEO, Steve Scheinkoff. Today, we're live in our Boston showroom. And in this episode, we'll be discussing refrigeration and what you should know about appliance packages and rebates. If you're new here and just starting up, I highly recommend you start at the beginning to learn about ventilation and cooking because it will compound on everything from the previous episodes. Let's get started. Okay, so today we're talking about refrigeration. Let's start out by like laying the groundwork. Typically, um, people are considering refrigeration by depth. So there's a number of different depths that are available throughout the lineup. Do you want to, let's start at the beginning. Um, standard depth is uh, a common phrase. What, what's, what's that mean? Well, first of all, let's start with width. Uh, width's a lot easier. Depth is a little more complicated topic. Um, typically, the easy part about uh, appliances, especially refrigeration dishwashers, uh, appli- uh, refrigerators follow cabinets. And the cabinet widths are in, in real small sizes is 24, 28, 30 for like smaller places. 33 is kind of atypical, but kind of common in Boston. 36 is the most common width. When we talk about that, it's the size opening of the cabinet. Then for some more luxury fridges, you get 42 and 48. And those those are the cabinet sizes you fit a refrigerator into. So refrigerator is a lot easier than cooking uh, because it is what it is. Kind of. So with that in mind, let's talk about depth. Sure. So that's that standard depth. That's kind of the entry level. Um, yeah. Standard standard depth is um, when we talk about counter depth. That that means the depth of the refrigerator box is kept within twenty four inches. So really, all you see is the doors protruding. So it looks kind of sleek. It's much nicer in a, in a um, in more of a upscale renovation. But on the other side is you, you do lose cubic footage depth, you know, uh, height width depth being what a cube is when you when you cut it down for counter depth, you do lose that cubic footage. So instead of getting a 28 cubic foot fridge, you're getting like a 24, 23 cubic foot fridge. So that's counter depth. Regular depth will stick out like 34, 35 inches. So you do get added cubic footage when you when you go with a regular depth and it's also uh inexplicably sometimes less expensive so you get more cubic footage for less money one of the little tricks is if you could you know you build your cabinet out if it's on the outside of your kitchen uh that's that's always a good plan where you get something bigger more cubic footage you build the cabinet out and um it'll be less expensive but most people still do go with counter depth and it, and it does look better in a kitchen than seeing you know, the, the sides of the refrigerator aren't exactly fashion. So, so, um, so it is better to go with counter depth. And then when we talk about um, professional and integrated, those are two popular styles for that built-in or finished look, but there's differences. Yeah. Professional is, is defined as compressors on the top. A lot of people define it different, but it, it was designed, you know, when people think sub-zero, it's got the compressor top. So it looks like a refrigerator. Now it looks good in stainless, you can put panels on it, but still a counter depth refrigerator. What's become popular over the last few years is what's called integrated refrigerators. Those take counter depth that are even shallower because they fit a 24 inch depth with the panel. So really the, it, the elegant part of it is, especially with nicer cabinets, if, um, if you go with the integrated, you won't 
see the difference between a refrigerator and the cabinet itself. It looks just all like, looks like a cabinet, even though it looks like a refrigerator. The downside to a to a uh, integrated refrigerator is you get less cubic footage because now you're going from like, say, a 22 to like a 18 cubic foot refrigerator. So typically people are going to put, you know, two of them in a kitchen or one with a drawer somewhere else. And it's probably the most expensive you can buy per cubic footage. So you go regular depth, counter depth, and then a subsection of that would be professional counter depth because it's got the compressor on the top and then integrated would be a, a choice beyond that. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned price. Let's maybe cover that range. Is there a ra uh, range of products? Is there a price range for those stand for standard depth, counter depth? Well, if you get a, if you, let's just say, well, it really depends on the refrigerator and the manufacturer. Let's just say you're going to get a, a, a 36 inch, uh, regular depth, uh, French door, say it's $2,200, uh, or, or less expensive. The counter depth would be a couple hundred dollars more of that. A professional sub zero is going to be, um, say, uh, a, a 36 inch, uh, is going to be around nine to $10,000 and integrated. It's going to be less cubic footage is probably going to be six to $7,000. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, for the extra cubic footage, you're at, it's more poor, more per cubic footage mm -hmm. than a, than a, a, than certainly a professional counter depth and certainly more than a, a, a regular, uh, regular counter depth. Refrigerator. And you may even need multiple, you may need your all refrigerator and your all freezer unit. Yeah. Because if family five, typically you'll need 22 cubic foot, minimum. Although people do shop, you know, it's not like, you know, the old days, my mom had a freezer down the basement where she stocked frozen beef. I mean, it's like how much frozen beef did we, we don't even know, but, uh, nobody does that anymore. So typically you'd want it in your, uh, sorry, mom, <laughs> you'd want it in your, uh, in your kitchen. Typically. And let's let's talk about some secondary refrigeration products. So there's uh, beverage centers are always popular. Yep. Um, people confuse beverage centers with kind of that freestanding refrigerator, like that college dorm refrigerator. There's, so why don't we talk about why there's such a difference between yeah. those? There's a difference between the the refrigerator I had at college and and say a, um, um, a regular, you know, what we sell is a uh, as a beverage center. Typically what you're looking at, the biggest difference is the compressors on the back versus the bottom. The pressures on the back, um, there's no airflow to it. So sooner or later, uh, the refrigerator is gonna die. Um, it's kind of like if you put your hand on a, um, on, a, on, a, on a hair blower when you're a kid, the hair blower would seize out. It's because there's no airflow going back there. But then there's a difference in construction, in temperature management, shelving. You know, one's plastic on the outside, one's stainless. So it's really two different products. So, you know, if something's in your office, you know, you may go freestanding because it's super inexpensive. In your kitchen, if you're building it in, you certainly want something uh, uh, with the compressor, static compressor down below. Yep. Yep. So if you're looking for, you know, the, the refrigerator for your pantry or for your kitchen, you want to look for a true beverage center, yep. not just not just a undercounter refrigerator. Not just undercounter. Undercounter you can put anywhere. But again, again, and we'll probably go into wine. Your next question is probably going to be wine storage. It really depends because um, they're really two different products and there's nothing against a dorm fridge or, you know, an office fridge or anything like that, but for your home, it's a little different. Yep. Yep. So you mentioned it. What's so there are specialty wine refrigerators you can consider as well. What would be the difference between a beverage center 
in a wine refrigerator. Well, Beverage Santa can hold wine, um, but it is a refrigerator. See, where people, it, it really depends on, on, on how you look at wine. If you really like wine, you really store it as a collector. You know, wine has to be stored in a certain way. It's got to be, you know, no light, no vibration. It's got to keep uh, at a certain temperature. Um, you know, it has to be um, reflective of light. You can't put light in it. You know, the best place to put wine is actually a cave. But the second best is to put it in a, in a, in a, in a product, whether it's a closet that, that has all those properties. Because wine's like a living, you know, it's a living grape. And how you treat wine determines the taste, you know, you know, too less, uh, not enough humidity and, you know, the cork's going to dry, air's going to get in, you're going to ruin the tannins, you know, light inside ruins the tannins, you know, vibration's going to shake, ruin the molecules of the wine. So you want a, a better wine system uh, to be able to handle that, you know, if you really like drinking uh, wine or you collect wine. Um, so the better, the, 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 the leader in this has always been Sub-Zero because they, they didn't, what a lot of manufacturers do is they take an existing refrigerator, throw wine shelves in it and call it a wine refrigerator. What, what Sub-Zero did is they redefined it by saying, okay, what do we need to do to address that category? So they have two separate, um, thermostats that you can set to one degree. Uh, they were the first with an, um, a UV rated door a low E door that reflects light. You know, everybody does that now, but they also put out their compressor on grommets so it doesn't vibrate. Um, so there's, a lot, there's, there's, there's precise uh, humidity control. They were the first ones to uh, roll out uh, the shelving because you want it to glide, not clunk, because every clunk is like a, a shake and of your wine bottle. So that's, 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 they're probably the best. There's a lot of them that have improved. Um, you know, most of them have like figured out the shelving, have figured out the uh, the, the glass door part of it, um, but the the whole other technical aspects of temperature management. A lot of them still use that, you know, the two zone, which is basically the cold air gets, you know, the cold air gets thrown up and then comes down, and that's your two zones. I never quite understood that. So there's a lot of trues. Another good one with a uh, very soft compressor, two temperatures, um, and there's a lot of good ones. But again you know, depends on how valuable you're drinking wine, uh, whether you recognize the taste differences, mm -hmm. uh, a lot goes into that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last type of specialty refri uh, refrigeration that we deal with a lot is ice makers. Yep. So there's, uh, believe it or not, there's a lot of different types of ice makers available. Yep. Do you want to just talk about some of the differences? Sure. You know, there's, you know, people buy, you know, people buy ice by the cube. You know, LG's made a big deal about craft ice. Um, and you can get craft ice in certain ice. And what it is, it's like a solid ball. And for someone drinking whiskey or, you know, a fine uh, liqueur, they don't want the ice melting, right? So um, you would get a craft kind of round cylinder cube, right? Then there's the people that want the the sonic slushy cube, which is the polar opposite where, you know, it's better for, you know, cold beverages of uh, putting a slushy cube in that and you can get some of those. And then you get the crescent shape, uh, you can get the cube shape. And that's, that's typically how you buy an ice maker. But the, the, the real thing about an ice maker is ice maker causes, you know, most of the repair in our, in our industry. So really whether you're putting in a fridge or whether you're, you're buying a separate ice maker, the, the secret to it is cleaning it at least a couple of times a year. Um, 
And that's the secret advice. You can get any cube you want, depending on what you want to do, whether it's for your kids, whether it's for your liquor cabinet, um, you know, whether it's just an ordinary crescent-shaped cube. All of them are now available. You do have a choice, whereas you never did 10 years ago. Yeah, that's an important consideration. Is yeah. that the, what cube do you want? Yeah, and they, a, lot, a lot of great utility, but they do require regular maintenance to make sure that they yeah, Absolutely, they you stay definitely running. have to maintain those. All right, great. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Pat. Now let's talk about appliance uh, manufacturer rebates. So we see these promoted um, on sure. TV, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start by what what are these manufacturer rebates? How'd they come to be? And then let's maybe go into some pros and cons to consider. Well, first of all, appliance packages have been around for a long time, since you've probably been hanging light fixtures at Yale. First company that ever did it was Magic Chef, like in 1988-89, where you would buy like four, you'd buy like three pieces and they give you like $500 on the fourth piece. Um, and it became successful, but not widely, wildly used until probably 10, 15 years later when LG, Samsung, and a lot of other manufacturers really came up with the same promotion. And it really became more trend, say like in, uh, you know, after the recession, when a lot of the, during the last great recession, it's not the great pandemic, but the great recession in 2007, when Thermador and, um, a lot of the high-end manufacturers started doing it. Thermo has got probably the one of the most famous, the one, two, free, which is you buy a cooktop wall oven or a pro range and you get a free dishwasher. You know, Gen Air matches that. Uh, Sub-Zero added $1,000. Meal was 10% off. And it's, it's a really good way to buy appliances because you don't have to worry about matching handle styles or matching grains of stainless. Is that one? You know, every st- stainless, you know, especially with lighting, can look different. Um, it's not a huge thing if it's spread apart, but with keeping with many one, one manufacturers, one less thing you got to worry about. So buying a package is, is smart in, in that case. Now let's fast forward to now, right? Um, when you can't get, there's, there's times when it's not really all that necessary to buy a package. One is if you're paneling everything and then it really doesn't much matter. You know, it's good to get the, um, it's good to get the rebates because you're buying all that stuff anyway. It's bad when, when you don't want the product they're rebating on. Um, you know, if you to give you an example, one of the most frequently rebated items is an overrange microwave. But as you know from our ventilation seminars, an overrange microwave is 310 CFM, 15 inches deep. If you cook a lot, that's going to create a lot of smoke and grease in your kitchen. So that's the time when when package rebates are not as good. The other part is now during the recession when it's hard to get four pieces from any man, one manufacturer. A lot of these programs have been suspended anyway, but um, it's, it's really hard to put four pieces from any one manufacturer together these days. So hunting for that may not be the best thing unless there's availability in all four, which is, uh, I wouldn't say impossible, but harder to do now than ever. Great. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Pat. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode. We'll make sure to link our refrigerator buying guides in the show notes in the description so you can have access to that. Next time, we're going to talk about dishwashers and appliances people don't buy. As always, thanks for watching. Make sure to subscribe so you can get the next update. See you next time.